Hey guys, just before we begin this podcast, I would like to tell you about our sponsors, McCann Fitzgerald, who we are incredibly lucky to have as a sponsor, as they are one of the top law firms in the country. One of the things we've noticed about them, after speaking with so many different law firms, is that while clearly being a top-tier firm, they also have a clear human touch to what they do and are very forward-thinking. Partners are very involved with graduates and trainees, which seems to have cultivated this incredible culture for people to stay for a long time because they enjoy it and feel part of the community. So if you're looking for a career in law, definitely check out their career site, as it seems to be a really great place to work. Hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Guys, welcome back to the uh, Grad Life Law Podcast. We're very lucky today to be joined by Jennifer Halpin, who is one of the real estate partners in McCann Fitzgerald. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining. Not at all. Delighted to be here. So we're going to start at the start with you. You presumably studied uh, law. What university did you do it in? And like, tell us what your mindset was like at that stage. What were you thinking you would do thereafter? Yeah, so I actually did business and law. Um, so I didn't do a straight law degree. I did business and law in UCD. Um, and I suppose I was very lucky growing up that I had a background of um, both my parents worked. So I had... Um, you know, I'd, I'd been brought up, I suppose, in a in, in a business um, household. My dad was an accountant. My mum worked for Bank of Ireland. She was actually the first equal opportunities manager in the country to have that role. So she had a lot of um, insight into employment law and HR type issues. So I knew growing up that business and that kind of area was something that I wanted to do. But to be perfectly honest, I didn't know coming out of sixth year whether I wanted to do law, whether I wanted to do business, um, or or what area I really wanted to to go forward in. But the business and law degree I decided was probably something that gave me options, um, and that was probably what was most important to me. Um, no offense to any accountants out there, but I probably knew accountancy wasn't for me. Um, I, I I am good with numbers, and I knew it was probably something that was on the horizon, but I wasn't going to go straight in and do accountancy. So, um, yeah, it was it, it was an easy decision in one way that I was lucky enough to get the points to to go and do business and law, and then once I was in there for for anybody who's done any um kind of research on the course, it is. It is effectively a, a joint business and law degree for the first three years. There are Erasmus options, which I didn't take. Um, and then when you get to your final year, you you specialize in either the law or or the, the business side of things. So, yeah, that's that's it was UCD that I went to for me, an easy decision because I, I I'm from Dublin. It was only 25 minutes on a bike. So um, it was it was easy for me to attend. And my brother had been there before me. So um, I'd heard, heard good stories. Nice. Uh, when it came to specializing between business and law, was that a hard decision? Like a lot of our listeners, and I think two or three of our hosts are from BNL, and yeah. they, they all have to go through this decision. Was that a tough one? Like, what way did you approach that? Um, it it wasn't a. I think at the time it wasn't a tough decision. By the time I had gotten to late third year, I kind of knew that law was something that I wanted to to progress in by that stage you've you've done a couple of the milk rounds of you know you you've gone out to maybe some of the firms who at, back in the days when you were able to host actual parties in person um to to go out and you know kind of sell your firm so we we would have um you know all of myself and my classmates would have gone to the various uh, firms and and listened to what it ha- what they had to offer i think for me the big thing was that business there wasn't one particular area in business that I really wanted to work in I knew I wanted to have 
a, a business element to to the work I was going to be doing, but there wasn't one particular um, kind of side of things like marketing or economics or whatever it was. There wasn't something really calling to me. Whether whereas with with law, I there was just something there that I could see myself being able to apply the things that I had learned in college, um, but also doing it in a business world. So it, I, I think sometimes people don't really fully appreciate um, maybe at that stage um the the amount of business that you do like my day to day at the moment um whilst I'm a property lawyer and a real estate lawyer I deal with banks and lenders all day um on on certain transactions that I would be doing for them so like I'm still working in a business world but I'm just applying law in doing it yeah that's interesting there's like a lot of negotiation creativity all this sort of stuff is actually a big part of it I don't yeah. think law gets as much credit as it probably deserves for that sort of stuff. Yeah, and and you know there there's a lot of people um who you know might say oh well, you know I'm 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 really interested in English or I'm really interested in you know writing. A lot of what I do is is writing. I draft a lot of documents from day to day. So, you know, there's there's so many different skill sets that you can apply in a law career. Um, and and another thing which I also think is interesting when it comes to law, like a lot of of the skill sets that you require don't necessarily require you to have a law degree. So, yes, of course, you have to do the various exams and, and that kind of thing to be able to get into the law society, to be able to, to do the course. But like one of the guys that I work with in our construction department is an engineer by trade. He did engineering. Um, and, you know, he he used those skills. He went off. He was an engineer for a couple of years and then realized that he he was more, I suppose, interested in applying the knowledge um, to different settings. So he came, he did his conversion course. He did all his FE1s and um, then came applying for jobs and now is, you know, working in our construction department and can bring that practical knowledge that's so important um you know two transactions because he understands it he understands the um you know i suppose the, the practical on the ground uh work that needs yeah. to be done as part of a transaction that i never think about this that's mad so out of like what percentage of jobs in a law firm do you not need a law degree for uh like you will always need if you're if you're acting as a solicitor you will always need to have done your your entrance exams into the law society yeah. so you'll have always had to have done that but of the and, and in fairness probably a large percentage of solicitors who work so say in our firm I would probably be guessing 90% plus are actually originally a law degree or some element yeah. of law potentially or or business maybe actually no it could be a lot business if I think about it actually a number of the partners that I work with, I know, did commerce in UCD. They didn't do yeah. an under, underlying law degree, uh, but they have gone on, done the exams and gone in. So maybe actually probably maybe not as high as 90 percent, but it's not something that people necessarily think of. So if I think of my immediate. So when you when you go into a law firm and you start training, the people that all start training with you at the same time is, is known as your intake. Um, and in my intake, I know of at least four or five off the top of my head that didn't do anything related to law as their base degree and that was probably out of a group of about 20. One person That's did scary. psychology. Yeah which uh, probably has its advantages in the yeah, legal world yeah. as well. No absolutely. I, really I was very tempted to do that. What's the latest in their life you've seen someone do that? Have you seen someone make that change at like 30 or 35 or is it easier? Um, 
It is usually in their, like, you know, if they haven't done laws, their base degree early on in their career, you know, or yeah. coming out of college. Um, it's usually around the mid-20s, 26, 27 that I've seen people do it. But we had somebody apply for a traineeship there um, and obviously can't give away any details, but the person was probably in their mid-30s, I'd say, and they were only coming to, to law now, having yeah. had a really diverse background before that. It's an interesting thing. What have you seen drive people in law? Like, in fact, I talked about this with Karen last week. We were talking about the idea of like people are driven by money or driven to do something excellently or driven just to be mm. uh, really good at something. Like, what have you seen motivate people throughout the years? Lots of different things. There are always going to be the people who are there who are driven by money, but like, I think that's a small percentage of people. Um, a lot of people who are there and doing it are doing it because they want to help the client um, yeah. as as basic as that sounds um, there obviously there's so many different types of law that you can we can practice McCampus Gerald is a commercial law firm so we don't do things like criminal law um, you know or, or or public you know you know human rights law immigration law that that's just not part of our bag where we are a commercial law firm but you know obviously people who do go down that road are very much so driven by that side of things like you know the 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 human rights side or the immigration side for commercial lawyers it's it's getting a transaction done like i i love nothing more and uh, you know over the years you you're involved in transactions when you see them reported on in the papers or you know reported on in the news and you're yeah. you're kind of it's it's exciting like you know one of the cases we were involved in recently was the the FBD insurance case for the pubs closed uh, due to COVID, which was reported on there recently enough. Where, you know, it's it's groundbreaking from a from a decision point of view, um, and it's really exciting to be involved in those types of transactions. Um, so yeah, I I think it's the being involved in things that can make a genuine change. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty like, and and it does overlap with. I, what Karen talked about and what I guess people would suppose. What I'm interested in your story in particular, so you're in real estate. You, yeah. I know you've been in the can since uh, 2004. Yeah. You got the last four years of like the pure Celtic Tiger years at McCann's. I don't know what you were doing before, but what was it like? That must have been a, a ridiculously exciting time and a crazy time to be. Uh, yeah, it was. It so I joined McCann's in '04 as a trainee. So I spent the first um, two and a half, three years going through my various seats. So uh, you have to spend a certain amount of time in in the various um, areas to to get your training. I was really lucky that one of my four seats was actually in Brussels. So I spent six months with our corporate department over in Brussels, which was brilliant. Like. I, I, it was just so well it was so much fun more than anything else but yeah. it was just eye-opening like to have been over in the commission and you know to be going to meetings in the parliament and the commission and just be surrounded by all of that um but yeah when i, I find it hilarious and i've said this so many times when talking to potential incoming trainees or um or trainees who are in the firm property law and land law i hate it with a passion in college really? I just didn't enjoy it yeah um so I I just found it too 
um, academic, I suppose, the way that it was taught to us. We were taught about things like fee farm grants and fee farm tales, and it went all back into the history of land law and where it came from. And actually, in practice, it's so different to what you actually do day to day. And when I was told that I was going into for my property seat, um, that I was be, I, I actually went into the private client department in McCann's, which we had at the time. And um, it has since uh, mo- moved and merged. We, we don't do as much private client work anymore. But um, it, it was so interesting. I was dreading, absolutely dreading going into the group because I just thought I was going to hate it. And then within the first week, I was asked um, to be working on certain transactions. And I was like, hang on, this is nothing like what I was taught in in college in relation to property law. Um, It was so much more hands on. Uh, Now, I'm, I'm, uh, I love maps. Um, I love being able to, I know it's so nerdy, um, I love being able to look at something and either go into Google Maps or, you know, go into the Land land Direct, which is the Land Registry's online system and try and work out exactly where things fit together. Have we got all the title for the entirety of the property? Um, I love that whole side of things. So when I actually was doing that day to day, it was really interesting. Um, and going back to obviously when I joined the group, I joined the group, uh, the property group in 06. Um, so I was there for, like you say, part of the Celtic Tiger time, the the years before before yeah. the crack. And it was, it was fascinating to see the stuff. I remember working on a deal where, uh, a, 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 I'm not even sure what you call him, an arranger of some sort. He had decided, he had located a property and had decided that if he could get all of the adjoining owners on side and brought them all together that he could effectively buy up the site together get everyone together and then sell it off to a massive developer to build something bigger and better there and if they sold their houses individually they and I'm picking figures off the top of my head you know they might get 500,000 each but if they sold it together to a developer because they were able to get this bigger site together they might get a million each so he could see the opportunity there so he went in and this was a deal that um it was just fascinating there were so many people involved there were so many bits to it um and it was it was exciting at the time um and then i qualified and joined the property group was there for about nine months to a year and the crash hit and it was just it was nearly like a flick uh, a switch flicking off it was you know all these big massive deals that were all on the table just weren't happening anymore and we went to a whole different type of work for which property expertise was still needed but it was all NAMA related so it was you know NAMA obviously came in and uh, we're tidying things up and there had to be property um knowledge that you know in reviewing the title so that NAMA knew what they were getting and all this kind of thing so there was a couple of years of that and then a couple of years like the, the the impact from the crash i don't think people fully understood how like how long a tail it had um yeah. like we're still doing work which um would have originated back in 08 and the problems that happened in 08 there's, there's um, two things i'd love to uh, dig into there one is that crash like we'll call it october 2008 kind of maybe mm. 2009 uh a lot of people lost jobs and this sort of thing lawyers one of the benefits of going down that path is that you were quite secure was that even like a pickup time for lawyers in some way because there's such a mess to be cleaned up lawyers need to do it 
Yeah, like it, there, there was definitely an initial impact on lawyers. Like it, there, you know, there, there were around that time, there were a, a lot of people who got let go from from legal okay. jobs. But definitely, I think the bounce back came quicker, maybe. Um, yeah. So we suddenly realized that, um, you know, there there was a need for for extra work. There was there was a lot of secondments that went on. So, you know, I spent um about six months on secondment to to a bank um, because they needed, they just needed people who understood the legal side of things and they needed hands hands on deck. Mm. Um, so, you know, there, there was certainly that element of it. Um, but yeah, no, we, like, I don't think I'd underestimate the impact that it did have on lawyers at the time. It was a really tough time at the time because nobody really knew what was going on. So, yeah. you know, you're, you were all trying to work out where where things were going to go and yes there were definitely um benefits you know from it we were we were lucky that it was one area that despite the crash people still needed that expertise to fix it yeah for sure there, there's something going on here which I, it's very energizing to hear how much how interested you are in the whole thing yeah. and you, you don't get that very often which is really cool one thing that I'm, i'd love to communicate to the listeners is like Say here, you, you say you love maps and all yeah. this sort of stuff. Your 15 or even 21-year-old self wouldn't probably have loved maps, but you do now. And, yeah. like, you know, you didn't work, you didn't like the property work at the start, but now you love it. And so the work probably hasn't changed that much. You have. Mm. And what I'd love to get into these guys' heads is the idea of the goalposts moving over time and how what is fun when you're 20 and boring when you're 20 probably get inverted by the time you're even 30, you know? Like how would yeah. this happen over time? I, I think for me, it was, and I, and I did mention it before, it was seeing it, seeing the things come to fruition. So mm -hmm. like uh, as a 20 year old or 21 year old, 22, even 24 year old, like I didn't really understand what, what you know, what a transaction entailed or what it was. Like, you know, you were going in, even as a trainee in a particular area, a, a lot of times, trainees get asked to do very specific tasks and it's one of the things that I try to do when I'm because I, I would always have or regularly I'll have it a trainee assigned to me and one of the things that I always try to do with my trainees is explain the transaction as a whole and even if they're only doing a small element of the transaction to explain to them how that fits in to the overall overall thing because I think that gives you a much better idea and I think that's probably the one thing that I, I'd say that's where you know the 21 year old self versus the not mentioning the age self now <laughs> is is that that's the difference like I I now see the transaction even if I'm even if now I'm still only involved in a small element of a wider transaction I will work out what that transaction is I'll see it all I'll see how it's all going to come together and that even if your bit is small you can see how you're contributing even in that small way to the bigger picture and when you have five six seven people doing the same then you know that's how it all comes together and I think that's one thing with property is that we're we're a group that regularly collaborates with other groups and um, yes there are pure you know, property transactions, a lease of a building or, you know, whatever it is. But even in the lease of that building, you may have to bring in your construction colleagues to discuss, you know, the construction side of things and, and how the property was developed and the various documents that you need to have to confirm that that 
building has been built in the correct way. You need to bring in your tax colleagues because there might be VAT implications. You might need to bring in your banking colleagues because there might be somebody lending in relation to the transaction. So it's even though it's a very, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily niche, but it is a specific area you actually end up collaborating and dealing with so many of your other colleagues. And I think that leads as well to the to the interest and to the driving you forward and, you know, wanting to get a transaction done and done in the right way. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, that, that like that intellectual stimulation, it's almost like an acquired taste. Um, you get it over time, you know. Yeah, and and you get exposed to loads of things. Like you know, I I knew from an early stage that litigation wasn't for me. Um, mm. it like I found the areas or the topics that we were covering really interesting, but I'm just not a confrontational person. Like I I couldn't imagine being involved in in really kind of hard hitting um kind of negotiations. Like that's 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 not really my um my main focus in trying to get a transaction done so um but over the years I have been involved in loads of litigation cases where there's a property element and um you know there's it's been interesting to see how something that I thought no I could never do that or I could never be involved in that you do because you you, once you get involved in it um you know it's it's it just kind of flows. And again, it comes down to the knowledge and the more you do something and the more you're exposed to something, the more confidence you get in doing it. And, yeah. um, you know, that that leads to heightened enjoyment in, in doing it, you know, every time you, you have a new transaction. Yeah. If I'm a student listening to this on that point, if I'm a student listening to this, are there certain kind of natural strengths that you think if I have them go this way, if I don't go that way, like say public speaking or, confrontation straight away I think it's a personality thing and I think it's very difficult to say you know if you know like uh, like I said at the very beginning maths and figures was something that were that always came naturally to me I don't know whether that's because from an early enough age I was helping my dad out in his accountancy firm but um you know those that kind of thing would assume you would probably assume, oh, well, you know, I might be better off in a banking or a corporate side of things as opposed to property. But I I think it's more personality traits. I think you will find your feet. And we regularly have people who come through as trainees. um, Regularly is probably not, maybe it's not that often, but we have had loads of situations where people have come through, done their training, have gotten to the end of their four seats. And they still say, like, I love working in law, but I don't know exactly what area I want to work in like you know I think you know I I equally love this area and I equally love this area um and it 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 can sometimes depend on who you get exposed to as well like you know there we're a large corporate firm my litigation seat could be in a particular area with say somebody like Karen and the type of work that Karen does or it could be in a property litigation seat which actually is nearly more 50 50 litigation and property so yeah. you know there's 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 different areas um people if they have specific skills um absolutely if somebody is really good at public debating and um you know is is really confident on their feet and is really quick thinking then yeah i'd probably be saying something like litigation might suit you but they may get in there and and actually find yeah it's grand but actually i really love the methodical side of this or you know the the this this other area which i've also done the experience in so i I would i would always say to trainees don't ever cut yourself off don't assume that one area is the right area for you 
enjoy it all, go through it, you know, um, experience it, and you might surprise yourself. Like me, I genuinely <laughs> never thought I would be working in property, but I just found that I really enjoyed it when I did it. It's funny. Another thing you see happen is, like, someone might go into your team and think, oh, the property stuff's a bit boring, but Jen is the bomb, and I want to keep working for Jen. <laughs> you know, like, have you ever seen that happen? Or have you, did you have someone like that, maybe? Yeah, no, I was really lucky with the people that I worked for. And um, I I had a lot of encouragement from early on. So all actually all of the partners that I worked with in all of the department, in, in all of my four seats, I got on really well with all of them. Um, and the the, the the property partner, and I know she, I have told her this to her face, so I don't mind saying in a public forum, she was scary. Like when mm. I first met her, she was a scary person, but she was so interested in developing me and my skills that that really came across and I'm I'm sure has uh, had a big impact on me wanting to go back and work for her um now as it happens she retired a couple of years after I joined the group um and I was assigned to another lady um so uh and we got on really really well and I suppose we worked really well together our skill sets kind of complemented each other um and as a result that meant we worked really well together so yeah. um that made it really enjoyable to stay in the team and you know keep working but th there's de like personalities definitely have something to do with it yeah. um i'd love to think that anybody who who comes working on my team would love to come back oh, and work with me <laughs> you never um, know i, I love to ask them <laughs> You'd see, and like, you know, you've met a lot of people, as have I, who have done, who, who probably started off in corporate law in the city and then moved maybe back out to where they're from in the country and set up their own firm or whatever. And they probably did really well during the property, uh, you know, times mm. or the boom times when things are going well. Have you seen people do that? And like that life versus maybe the corporate life has its appeals, has its downsides as well. How have you evaluated that? Like, I'm sure it's something you've either seen closely or even thought about over time. How do you evaluate that? Yeah, well, one one thing I've seen, which um, which is interesting, and probably I shouldn't say because it means people were leaving law. I've seen a few people who've come and done corporate law and have loved it for a number of years, and then just gone. Do you know what? I feel like I've achieved what I wanted to achieve in this area, but this wasn't for me. So I, I know of somebody again who I trained with who, um, you know, did corporate law for a number of years like you say exact same situation family situation wanted to move was from the country wanted to move back to the country to mm -hmm. you know settle down raise her family so went into a small firm down the country and then realized that you know probably wasn't getting as much from it as she maybe wanted and wanted another challenge and is now a teacher wow. <laughs> um, so yeah and and i've had a few people who have i, I know a few people who i've trained with who maybe have used their corporate law experience have stayed in law but have maybe gone off to do something else so i've quite mm -hmm. a few friends and um, i've two friends in particular who trained with me who are both involved at a very high level in sporting organizations and right. um, so they've gone in as in-house legal counsels into two like international sporting er areas um, which yeah. is really interesting, but they have brought the knowledge and the skill sets that they had from a corporate setting into those um, scenarios and and they're both flying in them. And, you know, that's probably something that I've seen a bit more is people who have gotten the experience in a corporate setting of a corporate law firm, but mm -hmm. then gone off to use those skills still 
in the legal sphere, but in other organizations, we had um, a solicitor who left to become an in-house solicitor with FLAC, with them, um, you know, the Free Legal Aid Center. We've had somebody else who who left to take on pro bono work and they're now um, employed as a pro bono lawyer um, in, in, you know, uh, in, a, in a different organization in the UK. Um, so it's it we've you know had various people go in house into different organisations, be it the likes of Facebooks and Googles, or or in house into property developers. So I worked with a solicitor who has gone into as a legal in house legal in a property development company. Um, so you know people have it just because you start off in a corporate law firm doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to stay there. You've the options of going into in-house roles or like you say, you know, reverting back to maybe going back home and um, either setting up their own firms or joining smaller firms. Yeah. And, and a lot of the, you know, a lot of the initially Dublin would have always been seen as, you know, the hub for the big firms, but actually, you know, Limerick, Galway and Cork all have um, big law firms there now, which would be mm. considered, you know, um, medium to large size firms yeah yeah interest the, the the examples you're using there like really kind of make a point so like law is such a good place to start off using your examples those two people because they have a law degree and, and legal experience which gets you a seat at the table way earlier than a lot of other qualifications they're now high up in those sporting uh, yeah. environments you've got the person who went to flack so if someone if someone's driven by by commercial kind of gain and moving up the ranks that's that first example. If you want to make a difference to other people's lives, a law degree and law experience really empowers you to do that. And then FLAC is a good vehicle. If you want yeah, to make your own uh, property bets, you've seen so many people do it from close range that you're well informed and well. Like it, it just sets you up so well, I think. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And and it, it gives you a skill set that um, you can bring anywhere. Um, I know a few people who have done law or even who did business and legal as a degree and and went off and used the 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 knowledge and the the experience that they found there to you know to go off into similar but not necessarily law degrees but yeah definitely people who have who have done a law degree I think it brings with brings with it an, a knowledge and um a skill set that you can use in so many different scenarios mm. um and it's definitely something um that can only benefit you, I would have thought. Yeah. Knowing what you know now and seeing things kind of unfolding, if you were to st if you were just starting out now, what would you try to get into or what would be the kind of, I don't know, what, what advice would you have? Some hybrid between those two questions. Yeah. <laughs> what, would um, what would you be inclined towards? One thing I would say to people is, um, the best thing that I ever did was, did, I did some traveling. Like, it, it, before I so I did my traveling between finishing my FE1s and uh, starting my traineeship with McCann's there is so much to be said for real life experience and yeah. you regularly see people applying for for be it internships or um or, or traineeships and when you come and sit down and talk to them um you're you're looking at their CV and it's just academic after academic after academic I want to talk to the person who has you know gone to the US on a J1 <clears throat> or who has worked in their local center for a couple of years or in their local restaurant because that does give you experience that you can't buy anywhere else mm. and that would be one thing that I would say to people is yes the academic is so important of course it is and you know that will always be looked at but don't don't forget 
the real life experiences because they are just as important because they develop you as a person and they you can show that you've been in situations like if you've just been doing academic the whole way along you know it's very hard to give an example of where you have been really stressed you know we we regularly would ask people you know is there a situation where you were really really stressed and up to 90 and how did you deal with that and regularly the answer comes back in you know well I was working in a restaurant and we had a difficult customer or we were working in a shop and the till didn't you know uh, tally at the end of the day or whatever it is and they're so important because they develop you so that'll be one thing that I would say um don't underestimate yourself is something that I would say to to students as well sometimes people come into you and they're maybe a bit timid and they're like oh well I've never done this before so I don't know if I can do it you can do it if you've gotten to the stage where you are in a law firm and you know you are going through your traineeship you clearly have the attributes and you know the skill set to to be able to do whatever your your partner or whoever it is that you're working with is is asking you to do so don't underestimate yourself but you know there's there's also an element of um you know keep keep yourself I suppose not keep yourself in line but you know that you know yourself when you're going maybe beyond what you might be able to do and don't be afraid to ask for help like that is probably the biggest thing if you don't think you know something ask the question and it's something again first day of traineeship when a trainee comes to 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 work with me one of the first things I will always say to them is there are no stupid questions so please just ask me the question I have been where you have been I have sat in that seat and I have sometimes sat there and gone oh my god is this the right thing should I be doing this should I be doing that the person you're working with would much prefer for you to ask the question and say okay you, you've asked me to do this can I just clarify is this what you want me to do or is this the best way to do it or you, you know ask the question I'd prefer to know that somebody's asked the question and you know even if it might be maybe not the most intelligible question that's fine but I will answer the question it's only a stupid question as I've said to people when you've asked it three times and you haven't understood the answer three times in a row um, but always ask the question so don't don't feel like by asking a question that you're you're not um you know somebody's going to think oh they don't know what they're talking about we know what stage you're at like I'm not expecting somebody to come in to sit with me yeah. and be a, be a fully formed lawyer like I know that's not the case so yeah that's a common thing is people think the expectations of them are way higher than would be yeah. than they are yeah um before we wrap up, a couple of quick fires for you in whatever right. order you choose, because I'm just springing these on you. Okay, <laughs> slightly so, scared. <laughs> a, book a book you'd recommend, a quote to live by, and the best advice you've been given. Oh, Lordy, they are quick fire. <laughs> um, book I would recommend. I've actually read so many good books recently. Um, I really enjoyed um, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Um, so I will leave that one at that because I actually have so many books that I'm reading at the moment that I could literally keep going on forever on the books. Um, a quote to live by. Um, I'll come back to that one. What yeah. was my third one? Uh, best advice you've been given. Believe in yourself. Um, nice. is probably the, the best advice I've been given and something that... Uh, I have come back to a couple of times if you start doubting yourself and just somebody's you can hear the voice in the back of the head going no believe in yourself so definitely mm-hmm. believe in yourself and a quote to live by I don't really have a particular quote but um 
just I suppose as a saying or a phrase or something to 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 work towards whatever you do in life enjoy it and um, there is nothing worse you know we we only get one life we're only here for for a period so if you're doing something and you're really not enjoying getting up in the morning and going and doing what you're doing it's not the right thing for you and maybe consider it so always enjoy what you're doing now I'm not saying you're going to be enjoying yourself 100% of the time of course you're not but if you don't feel like it's something that is adding benefit to your life as well as somebody else's then maybe maybe have a think yeah nice I'm sorry as you talk I'm looking at this midnight light it looks like the most profound book it is very profound and it was somebody who suggested it to me um it's it's a really interesting concept and it does come from quite a dark place actually it it comes from someone who who was having difficulties in life um and got to a certain kind of crux in their life um yeah. but it it's re it, there's some really great messages in the book yeah one thing i'm huge on that actually karen was huge on as well is read uh fiction don't just read like oh yeah gonna get like smarter inverted commas like get wiser oh, yeah. and read about the world you know absolutely yeah no yeah. that that that's that that's my downtime so when i go for my walks um i you know I, I have a busy day most days um i don't get as much time to sit down with a physical book as as i would like but um i listen to audiobooks and i absolutely love them be they audiobooks or podcasts and yeah. it's great yeah it's so important yeah and that I think a lot of students missed. I think they need to be robotically ticking all the boxes. Um, yeah. Jen Halvin, honestly, an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million. Yeah, not at all. And really enjoyed it. Um, uh, even the quick fire questions at the end. <laughs> <laughs>